and welcome to Juvenalia. I'm Alan McGuire. Um, this is the podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a piece of pop culture that was important to them as a child. My co-host today is guts writer and uh, stuff humor editor, co-editor, Ellen Tannum. Hi. Hey, how are you? Good. Good. And our guest today is broadcaster, writer, and host of the book show on Radio 1. It's Sinead Gleeson. Hello, how are hey, you? Hey, how are you? I finally made it in. I can't believe it. Yeah, I know. We have yeah. to do a lot of moving around for this, but it's I'm good. I'm a gal. Yeah, it's yeah. worth it. So what are you going to talk to us about? I am going to talk to you about, um, well, before I tell you what I was going to talk about, it, it's, it's really hard to condense down to pick one thing. And the thing I would have picked, which somebody else sneakily got in there before me, is Jaws, which I'm quite obsessed with. Yeah. Um, and, and spent a summer on Martha's Vineyard and all sorts of stuff. And then you just tell, told me as we were walking over here that somebody else had picked The Innocence, which is yeah, one of my yeah. favourite films, because <laughs> I, I, I love the ghost story and it's based on The Turn of the Screw mm-hmm. by Henry James. And I love it. So, um, so there's a million things you could pick from your childhood, but I decided to pick... Uh, top of the Pops because it was such a consistent thing and for a, a long part of a lot of people's lives it was the thing I mean you think about lots of memories from y- your childhood and some people say you know memory there's lots of things that trigger memory and, and for some people it's it's smell but for, for in a lot of cases and for me it's music and sometimes when I hear certain songs I don't necessarily think of the album or the single I think of the Top of the Pops performance yeah. so it was, it was a big deal for a lot of people and I think you'd be very hard pushed to find somebody um, you know, uh, of a certain age who, who'd never seen it or didn't watch it yeah, yeah. With, with, yeah. with some regularity, I think. Mm. So how old were you when you started watching it? Or was this always on? Oh, it was it? always on. I see my, my, my dad kind of worked, had a, a kind of a day job in advertising, but he also is a bass player. So he used to play okay. gigs a lot when we were kids. So he was always really interested in music. Um, so we watched a lot of music stuff, but also he used to like, he, he would pay me and my brother's money to transcribe the lyrics from songs that he'd be doing. <laughs> in the band. So it's kind of a lucrative sideline as yeah. a child. But um, so we always watched it. And, and this is the, the thing that you, you get in, in modern life is the idea of the family sitting down to watch something is, is quite, you know, kids are in their bedrooms watching Netflix or people are on tablets or laptops mm. and that kind of communal experience of all sitting around, which sounds very sepia tinted, but that's, yeah. what, that's what we all did. We would all sit down to watch it. And you knew even when you're out playing on the road, there would literally be coming up to five to seven and people would be like, everyone really? disappear and run in and go and watch it. Um, so I suppose when I was, I, I think from very, very young and... The only way I can date it is uh, related to a very specific catastrophe that happened to me when I was watching it. There was a, I was six and I, this would have been like 1980 and I was watching uh, Bad Manners do Lip Up Fatty, which is a great sort of wonderful ska song mm-hmm. with a very comic performance by Buster Blood. Yeah. So that's yeah. the real name of the singer. With his yeah. boiler suit. Um, with his boiler yeah. suit. Um, so I was getting ready for bed and my parents had a super sayer, kind of one of those old sort of kitsch fires. He put a big awful flow gas thing in the back oh, of no, it. Yeah. Um, and I was dancing around, you know, getting my scan on and getting undressed and walked into it and burnt the leg off myself. Ooh. So I had like a chevron oh. burn <laughs> down my leg for a few weeks afterwards. Um, so, but my dad bought me the seven inch afterwards so it was kind of a slight consolation. <laughs> but, um, but I remember watching it that time and I remember like somebody like Kate Bush who I absolutely adore um, and was lucky enough to get to interview. She was, I, I remember her, she was she was on it a lot when she was very young and then there she wouldn't always be on. But then mm. The, the other thing about Top of the Pops is that the studio, studio performance and the video. And for a long time, the video was a very new thing. And when I was a child, like I, I, I came a bit too late for the legs and co uh, and gossip, yeah. you know, the dance troops, mm-hmm. which are, if you watch some of the clips on YouTube, the interpretive element of how they try to do, you know, yeah. Betty Davis eyes or whatever they're trying to do. <laughs> so and it's, they're very yeah. literal, some of them, and often them are, they're quite creepy and a lot of the time very sexualized yeah. uh, and, and I tacky. it's a high turnover for, for the choreographers for those yeah, it's like the one yeah. or two a week 
But they were yeah. like all superstars in their own right, all mm. those women, you know, they were all going out with like, you know, racing car drivers and, yeah. you know, yeah. everyone wanted to go out with them. And um, But I, I kind of came a bit after that. So I think even the, the performance element of it, it was like you were thinking you'd be watching the chart, you'd want to see the countdown, you'd want to see who was going to be number one, you'd be wondering, you know, which song will they show? And you'd be watching it to see who will mm. turn up on it. But also, like everything else, uh, and I say this to people about anthologies as well, you don't know what you're going to get. So you tune yeah. in and you'd often see stuff that wouldn't be your bag or be a genre music you're not interested in, but you'd be intrigued. So you're mm. for, you were forced to watch a load of random music that you might not like in the hope of holding out that your band would be on yeah. that week. You know, so mm. that's what it. So probably yeah, five, six, and then never stopped watching it really. So what are some of the like the big like we always talk about uh, bad manners? What are some of the yeah. big performances you remember? Um, well, again, I remember you know Kate Bush being on and and just being a little bit terrified of her voice because I never had anybody who hmm. was singing like that. And then you look at Kate Bush as well, uh, the first woman to ever have a number one. Uh, th- but with a song that she'd written by herself because a lot of people and, and has always had that same autonomy over her own work doesn't yeah. less, doesn't mm-hmm. rely on anybody to write songs or co-write with her always wrote her own work um, so watching her kind of performances and the really interesting thing about Kate Bush at that time is if you watch a lot of the inst- where she's it's not the video and it's her is she sings live because most people who did Top the Pops never they, there was, yeah. because it was a live show and it's half an hour and too many things could go wrong they were like you're miming whether you like it yeah. or not <laughs> unless you're New Order when yeah. New Order every time they used to play it they were like we're not miming we're going to sing live mm. so again you could see this and I lo- even just going back looking, you know those kind of pencil-y microphones yeah, they, yeah. They, yeah. the history of if you're interested in technology and my husband is a, a music producer so even looking at all the kind of different microphones they had mm. over here some of whom you know just were, were clearly not even plugged no. in yeah. and none of the guitars <laughs> had any leads so mm. I like the Kate Bush stuff I, I mean there's there's kind of God. There's millions of performances, and and even you know some like Anika doing Japanese Boy, or I remember like Nirvana. I was quite a, a big Nirvana fan, and I used to get the, I used to send off before they, they. I saw them supporting Sonic Youth, and nobody knew who they were. Her because never mm-hmm. mind, had not come out. But I used to buy my singles from Sub Pop, which was their label. Um, so when the song broke, the Smells Like Teen Spirit, they were obviously going to go be on it, and people were curious as yeah. to what they would do and. A lot of people, a lot of real musicians had a huge problem with the, the technical setup. I don't want it mime, I, yeah. I just don't yeah, like yeah. this. So they, yeah. they would take the piss out of it. So what Kurt does is he he delivers a song in this kind of like creepy baritone. Yeah. Um, and it turns into Morrissey by the end. Yeah, yeah so it turns yeah. into Morrissey at the end. And I, I think like, they, again, around that, not that much later that when Oasis, the whole Blur Oasis thing was going on, Oasis or aren't they do roll with it and Liam uh, and Noel switch places. So, mm. you know, Liam is playing the guitar and Noel's doing the singing and it's, you know, but it, but a lot of people took I think had a lot of fun with the element of that it was really stagey and yeah. it was really fake. But at the same time, it, it, it was the thing to get on. It was the platform for mm. people to be on. If you were yeah. a top of the pops appearance and any band that you've, you you know, or if I've talked to anybody who was on it, they said you absolutely it, you sold more. Your visibility went up. Your profile yeah. went up. Even if you didn't want to do it and you hated the mind thing, you, you did it. So I remember a lot of. I didn't watch a lot of Top of the Pops but a lot of the way I was introduced to it was in Select Magazine and stuff yeah, whenever yeah. a band got big they would always ask them what being on Top of the Pops was like yeah. that was, was like, like a so stock question to them. and yeah. what they used to say that it was you get to sit in the BBC canteen and see all these standards people and you're like in a room with like steps and it's just it's <laughs> yeah. very strange the glamour yeah but you say the pop bands were always really friendly to them because there was no competition yeah. between the indie bands and the pop bands then yeah it's so they all like got along really really well to be in like yeah, adversarial no, yeah yeah and so did you watch it as well? Um, I didn't really watch it because when I when Top of the Pops ended in 2006, I was 14. So yeah. by then I was like, throughout my childhood and stuff, I used to watch Top 30 Hits. It was just yeah. the music. I was more yeah. into music videos than the Top of the Pops thing because yeah. it was by the time I was watching TV and stuff, there was more 
of a variety rather than just Top of the Pops. There was like, I, I used to watch TRL or like SMTV Live would yeah. have people like Kat Dealey and Anton Depp yeah, yeah. and things like that. So by the time, I remember some of Top of the Pops, like I remember the Spice Girls when Jerry Halliwell left yeah. and they did Goodbye when I was like six in like 1998. Yeah. And then um, Girls Aloud, I used to just love them. So yeah. whenever they were on, I'd make a point of watching it. But this is, it's, it's interesting to hear generation that you, there were loads of other places to see things and see yeah. music. But when I was a kid, there was only Top of the Pops. That was, that was your only, then, yeah. I mean, I remember MTV coming along in the early 80s and they used to do, Vincent Hanley used to do MTUSA and they would show videos and Super Channel. And it used to be recording things off the telly, mm. like you're waiting mm. for, will they, will they play the Nick Cave video this hour? Will I have <laughs> yeah. to wait a four hours time yeah. with your finger hovering? As you would on the radio with Dave Fanning, you'd be mm. like recording stuff. But there was nowhere else. No. And, it, and it's, and I even, when you look at it today, like where you can find music anywhere and we consume music in a different way. And it's like everything is, you don't have to hunt or buy, go in and buy a piece of vinyl with the cover going, Does, do I like the look of this guy? Will I give this a chance? Yeah. You can find and consume and test and try everything first. There's no mystery anymore. And I, even now, I mean, for a long time, the, the program I worked on, the, the works always had a, a, a live performance. And when no disco used to be on, it was a place to show music. And now it's a real, with, with TXFM gone as well, it's, mm. a, it's a real problem for young bands it finding is, yeah. a way to get yourself out there. You and make saw, money. Like, yeah, yeah, we saw like, fight, like Apes recently give, quitting yeah. it because, mm. again, saying it's not feasible. People are not going to pay for things. And, and all bands now, it's all, it's all merchandise and touring. But if you're a small band, you're not gonna, it's, it's not going to be the kind of money yeah. that no. you know, Beyonce is making, obviously. No. Yeah. But it is, it, it, I think for a long time, It'd be wonderful if we had something comparable to that again. But you wonder would a younger generation be interested when they can just look at YouTube? Yeah, you know? they can like. It's like have you can videos. just go and watch music videos now on YouTube. Like just get a HDMI. And yeah. that's how people used to do it at parties when I was younger. They'd get a HDMI cable yeah. or whatever and just put plug into your laptop, have a YouTube playlist of videos, mm. and oh just have God. it. I, I'll tell you the old granny version of that is. is I, wanted, <laughs> I wanted. I used to want to listen to John Peel. So my dad had this big brown cable. I have to plug it into the back of the, the you know, his hi-fi. Oh uh, yeah, and, yeah. And trying to get you know fiddling with the reception and yeah. all busy yeah. and stuff like really mm. you know it, it sounds like from from the 19th century when I say this, but uh, just to, as a way of finding new music yeah. and finding different sort of stuff. But it, you mentioned those chart shows. I, I have children and they've they start to really get into music and for a long time it was great they were like they were listening to Kraftwerk or Vampire Weekend or stuff yeah. like they have on and they like it but now they're starting to kind of get their own taste on board and of course it's all it's it's hyper pop it's like it's all it's Ariana Grande it's Justin Bieber mm-hmm. um, if I have to hear that Cake by the Ocean song one more oh, time yeah. Yeah. it's I, an I'm earworm actually, it's really horrible it's, <laughs> yeah. absolutely and they like that it has a bad word in it as well I, I kind of try and turn it down yeah. and they're just like yeah. oh but, they, but, but, they, yeah. but the other day I walked in and they were watching a chart and it wasn't I think it must have been on MTV or yeah. but it was a chart show and it's all just really slick and really graphic-y and there's no performances it's just all videos yeah. And but again they were kind of talking like about that's like what I was in yeah, yeah. That, like we would get home all of my siblings like my sister I'm the oldest so it would be like me and my two sisters and my brother and we would just kind of flick between like MTV1 MTV2 MTV base yeah. like just TV for maybe like the two hours before dinner and then and were you interested because I've seen it with my kids they're really they're, they're really interested in oh who's going up the chart who's going down the chart and they, there was a, they, that, that was kind of something that I didn't care so much yeah. about when I was watching it but they're really into it who's doing well and who's not doing well it's interesting sometimes because you might have your own investment in an artist or yeah. something or when a song that you don't think is going to do well does and mm. you see it and it's like at the last week you saw it it was like 13 and then it's at number 4 and you're like yeah. what happened but yeah. now it's like you're reading Pitchfork and you're doing 
everything so you yeah. can track why it's happening yeah. whereas mm-hmm. it's not as, as much of a surprise as yeah. it was it's like maybe. oh they did a tweet that went yeah, yeah that went exactly big, or yeah. someone made well, a like remix the, of it or, the, yeah. the other interesting thing about music these days is that artists have so much more control again you know mm. their own Twitter accounts and Instagram mm. Facebook and all the rest of it but they can literally they can market themselves and do events they do, would I do whatever festival they want or not do this festival or do this or do that back in the day of Top the Pops there was so, so little and, and the label thing was a much bigger phenomenon than you had a record label and they made you do things and I remember thinking of like Enya where they, they made her do Aronoko I'm sure Enya did not want to do Top the Pops but they made <laughs> yeah. her do Aronoko for yeah. it was number one and how they had her on the stage is she had a grand piano and they had roses thrown all over oh that and it was, it was quite tacky but also I couldn't take my eyes off the screen yeah. mm-hmm. but it was clear she was there she was miming clearly didn't want to be there but it's just like this is the big deal mm-hmm. you're, it's Top the Pops and you're number one you have to do it it's like a bottleneck at that time yeah whereas yeah. now it's just so much more yeah. open but that it's, has its own set of problems well now like the big yeah. people kind of just do like a big performance at like an award show and they put all their money and yeah. all the performance at that and then people just watch that the for Super four or five months or a yeah. Super Bowl yeah. Yeah. yeah like Beyonce doesn't need yeah. Top of no. the Pops or no and, but the, the MTV Awards used to be like that and again there'd be like you oh, know remember Madonna, Madonna doing yeah. the yeah. you know Marie Antoinette thing it was yeah. like it was it was yeah. a spectacle it was a thing that everybody did you see it did you see mm. it or even Bourne Brittany tried to do her comeback yeah. that time when yeah. Sarah Silverman was yeah. hosting it mm. and um Everyone, like, I think people talk more about when things are controversial than yeah. good now. Like on MTV and stuff, like That's Miley Cyrus and Robin Thicke. It's just like, yeah. did you see that? It was shocking yeah. rather than that was deadly. You're yeah. just like, yeah. this terrible yeah. thing happened. Yeah. So did you, dis- like, do you find that you discovered people to Top of the Pops or was it always just watching for people you already knew? Because it was charts, no, so it was Yeah, kind of- yeah, absolutely. You'd know a certain amount of it, but you would find new music. And, and the other thing that I loved about it is particularly when I was young, I mean, I, I was watching it as a kid, so all my sensibility was pop. I liked mm. poppy stuff. Uh, before you get into the music that you know you get into in your teens yeah. but even watching it as a kid like at six or seven you would see like loads of new romantic stuff and the, you know punks and goths and, mm. and really out there stuff that wouldn't get a platform like that on TV now if somebody was yeah. to give them an opportunity no. but again when you're watching and I love the idea of the audience was such a strange phenomenal as well like all these mm. people like arrhythmically dancing or you'd, you'd, you know the Ramones would be on and they'd be a dude who looks like an accountant with yeah. terrible glasses <laughs> and an awful jumper just trying to figure out how to dance to the Ramones actually on the Woodring Heights um, clip there's this guy in like a rugby shirt just standing there with his arms folded in yeah. the front row I protest just watching this yeah. Yeah. I don't like your rendering of this novel at all <laughs> in music I disagree yeah. completely yeah but, it, but the audience is really interesting to kind of see uh, and, but uh, but also again it, it, Top of the Pops has a, has, there's a new horror about it when you think of like the Savile Inquiry mm. and so many that some of those yeah. guys were quite di- were, we, we know to be terribly dodgy yeah. and when you see them like draped all over young girls who just want to you know shoving into the frame to get on the mm. telly yeah. it's does really, it make it's, you feel weird about it looking back absolutely now absolutely do- yeah. of course it does yeah, yeah. because you, when you think about the, the level of power and obviously that was a show people want to get onto and even as a kid you'd be like god imagine being in the studio yeah. and mm. having to get to dance and see the bands and stuff and apparently it was very hard to get on there so mm. it makes me think were there girls who maybe had had things suggested to them well I can get you into the studio and yeah. you look at it now and it's a, it's a horror story mm-hmm. um, but you know it, a really really different time I don't feel the percentages were, were actually that important to the show though as a show the witch the percentages weren't actually that important to the show no and it's, it's funny they, they, they were always there was a lot the, the smashy and nicey guys you know yeah, all yeah. the radio high all those yeah. kind of guys <laughs> but when you look back and apart from like Janice Long I think in the 80s there was never until the late 
kind of late eighties, early nineties, um, when when Joe Wiley eventually came along, there mm. were no women. There was they had yeah. hardly any yeah. female presenters. It was very male, uh, and it was everyone. The thing is, it's an interesting point you say that because they were all quite high profile. They were all on BBC Radio, mm. but they were all completely interchangeable. The delivery was the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They all have that kind of smug intonation. Like, we're trying to be funny. Yeah. There's a bit of an innuendo going on here. Mm-hmm. Double entendre. You couldn't place all of them because they, they were all they were all so like each other. But it wasn't about that. But then as it went on in the eighties as well and the nineties, they started to have guest presenters so like Meatloaf would present it yeah. and Gary Glitter again another <laughs> problematic host yeah. or Lulu or people like this yeah I remember um, Damon Julia Arbor Cope did, what, stuff, did yeah. one which was a, it's a completely insane one you can watch it back the oh, whole yeah. episode yeah he's, well, he's, he's a really interesting yeah. character anyway yeah. but um, but that I think that was another attempt be, when they started to realise that this form and format is competing with too many things and it's maybe looking old because I mean they resurrected it a couple of times yeah. so that the, the, the idea of the celebrity host is one way of trying to get real more people mm. in I think yeah because yeah. they're invested in that person yeah yeah I, again I think one of the clips I watched which is at the Oasis one actually and the yeah. presenter is Robbie Williams oh, he's yeah, the yeah. one who intros yeah. him so they had all sorts of people he got a bit it. mad after take that he's just become it's, the solo Robbie Williams yeah right. it's, I think it was I think it's a party era Robbie yeah. Williams yeah. is what it looks like when he's a shaved head mad lad right? yeah, yeah. 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 Like wild eyes he was like yeah. photographed at Network and then two weeks later he left take that wasn't it it was like yeah. it was that kind of quick trans- transformation yeah yeah, and they were on it loads of times. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know, do the and with the ballads and the standy up bit for the yeah, girls, you know, off, off that stool, get up yeah. off that stool. So it was funny because you know they always had to finish with the number one song. Yeah. So I remember when Wet 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 were number one for, for like was it fifteen weeks for twenty years. Every <laughs> single week they had to finish up with Wet Wet Wet. Were they and on live every? week No, they recorded it once or twice. And okay. there was, well, there was had a, they multiple times? <laughs> They showed the video times, 16 weeks in a row Sometimes yeah. they showed the video Yeah which that, A terrible video And then also There was a whole summer That Brian Adams oh, Brian Everything yeah. I Do and, had, oh, and from Robin Hood and yeah. So there was a lot of the video With the kind of montage Robin oh my Hood God. bits yeah. So because I think They only had him on once And then every week It was just Oh God Robin Hood again Here we go <laughs> But, um, no doubt, I remember number one yeah. for like seven weeks as and well. I don't, so don't, don't, don't yeah. doesn't even. I don't know if that happens so much anymore. Do people get to stay at number one for that long? Because Wasn't there's Drake so much. Was number one all summer, I think. Was Drake it? was number one with one dance for like, oh, I'd say he, four months. He got up there. He, he just, I think he nearly broke the record. I'm not sure if he actually did. But you don't notice number ones as much. No, anymore. I haven't even no. heard it. No. I don't think people care. Like I don't care about number ones. No, and I and again, it's like we. The, if from the era of like you know vinyl and having to walk across the room and flip the record over now it's just like what do I look for oh Spotify oh Apple Music um, yeah. and and you know we, we just don't we don't I don't think we even have the concentration to listen to an album all in one go we're all no. it's shuffle shuffle I've heard enough of that I'll skip on to the next thing it's terrible it's must I've be tried bad to for, make myself be less like that because yeah. I found myself being really bad at just not lasting 45 seconds I think we're all like that yeah. Song, yeah. I found myself opening Spotify and just blanking I'm like I don't yeah. know yeah. so I've gone what back to too much choice yeah I've gone yeah. back to have music to my library yeah. and just going back through stuff from like yeah. it's probably five years since I bought music so it's all yeah. stuff from five years ago mm-hmm. six years ago I'm listening to now yeah. but just because it's just handy and because yeah. Apple Music they Spotify and Apple Music kind of know me differently because yeah. Apple Music has been tracking secretly tracking my listening habits for like 10 years yeah. okay. <laughs> but Spotify only knows you for like two yeah. Yeah. so Apple Music just hits me with nostalgia all the time yeah I get I, get, I notice that as stuff. well it's like they're yeah. telling me I'm really old yeah. it's like I'd like to hear some new interesting <laughs> electronic stuff or yeah whatever. here's 1994's but, um, alternative yeah but they keep going yeah, yeah I keep getting that or like yeah. you know uh, power ballads which I unashamedly <laughs> admit I have a massive passion <laughs> yeah. for so Bonnie Tyler yeah. etc mm-hmm. 
I think power ballads say transcend age. They're just good. They do, yeah. yeah. Well, it's they're they're so melodramatic, and they're yeah. they're 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 like a story all by themselves. Mm. You know, there's like, and then obviously the, the Bonnie Tyler, the brilliant video, like with the children of the damned, and the video with the lady up behind. So yeah. strange. But um, but again, like I, I, this is the other thing about Top of the Pops. There was there was nobody too big for it. Like loads of really yeah. massive acts would would come and do it, and it wasn't a case of yeah, we, we we're just not going to. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and again, whether that was label influence or they just wanted to do it, but. Um, yeah, there was loads of people. There was one clip I was thinking because I was I was asking my brothers like, do you remember kind of strange or weird or unusual stuff? And one of them mentioned the tra- the Travis clip, which is great with the cakes. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, which was never you know particularly done, but it was not that much went wrong. I mean, there was a couple of technical glitches. The, the All About Eve thing, uh, Martha's Harbour, where they're they're sitting there and they obviously can't hear the monitor. Oh, feed, yeah. so they're just <laughs> sitting there. And the song is playing, but it was it, it was clearly a very tightly run to do a half an hour live with a whole with a live audience as well, where anyone could hop on the yeah. stage or yeah. do whatever. It was such a tight ship, and they and. I haven't done done it for like decades. It was like they had it down to a T. Yeah. So not much generally went wrong. Mm. If people decided to do something different, like you know, swap mics, or I remember Michael Stipe doing Orange Crush with the megaphone, and he was using the megaphone on the bits that don't have the megaphone mm. effect on yeah. it. So, yeah. but it, because people kind of realise it, it is fake. So I may as well, mm. you know, amp it up. Yeah, like a lot of people, I did the Smiths clip of uh, William. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Where he just, you can tell he's just getting. He just kind of takes advantage of the fact that he doesn't have to hold a microphone yeah so he's using both hands to gesture around and, yeah. just <laughs> and then the, and the, the line would you like to marry me and he rips open his shirt yeah. and says marry me on his chest um, I'm sure so many people across like the UK and Ireland were like fainting oh yeah <laughs> they were yeah. 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 yeah absolutely uh, even the people who you know still presumed that he liked women at that point mm. yeah but uh, I, I think uh, but I think a lot of people did t- it's a spectacle it's performance it's a bit of pantomime and I think I, I always liked people who went on and tried to do something yeah. a, a little bit different with that but it, it, but again, they'd make whole bands, like seven or eight people and there would be barely be lots of those big ska bands, you know, the stages were tiny. And, yeah. they were, and they've all got like big, tr- you know, trumpets and saxophones mm-hmm. and they're elbowing each other in the face almost. <laughs> the, the stage was so small. But, um, but yeah, it was it, it was a really, I think a really big deal for a lot of people. And I've talked to loads of people about it who still, you know, remember when they saw people or, or remember bands that they discovered via it. But it was, it was the regularity. It was like seven o'clock Thursday. That didn't change. Yeah. And you, you knew where you were going to be, you mm. know. I remember seeing Sebado actually on it. Yeah, see, this is really weird because I've yeah. read about them for months yeah. and felt how amazing this song Flame was, but it wasn't. You couldn't get it in Waterford, and the yeah. internet wasn't there then. So yeah. finally, they turned up on top of the pops, and it was incredible. And they play. I, th- I think they played live. Yeah. It's hard to tell, but it looked it's, like they did. In a lot of the later years, like if you look at the Travis clip, I think yeah. it's about 2001, a lot of the later years, a lot of them just kind of went, look, I'm just not doing that. I, I'd rather mm. sing live. Um, I wonder if that I a think, headache for the producers? Oh, I'd say, oh, I'd so. say so. Yeah, yeah. I'd say so. Because again, a lot of the pop stuff, uh, it's just, you know, it's especially stuff that's like, remember Black Box Ride on Time was a yeah. huge hit and it was number one for weeks. And of course, the, that woman wasn't singing that no. song. It was like, a you know, a, a much bigger uh, woman of colour who was like, yeah. with an amazing voice and not this like skinny model girl who was voice on the stage. So, no, not at yeah. all. So, the, so for those reasons that you know you could you could get around it, but um, yeah, it's a, it's like I, I'd be afraid if I go leave here and gonna go and fall down a YouTube rabbit hole and just end up watching like loads of yeah. top of the pop clips, and um, because you do, it's quite compulsive. You think of yeah. people and I started watching them this morning and just yeah. you keep on one after the other. Yeah, because then yeah. it's lining them up for you. And it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. pull up a pew, yeah. you'll be here <laughs> a, a while. Do you ever watch but, top of the pops too? Yeah, when it's on, because it's often on. Yeah. Uh, like they show a lot of them around Christmas as well, mm-hmm. uh, and BBC Three and Four, or BBC and Four, yeah. yeah, whichever one isn't gone any, isn't gone now. Mm. Um, 
but yeah, and they're but also the, the snarky voiceover thing is it's almost yeah. worth it for that. It's and annoying. And the captioning but, underneath, and, and yeah. the captioning. But but also you find out loads of information that you didn't because you got literally nothing. You know, the band's name would come up, they do their song, mm-hmm. they get off the stage, and often now they'll tell you that oh, this guy was in a band with somebody else, or this guy mm-hmm. is now died tragically in a car accident or he, he, he wrote a famous national anthem for B- the Bayran football yeah. team or something and you'll hear all this kind of stuff but yeah it's, it, but again it's it's such compulsive tale you, you, you can't turn it's like reeling in the years you just can't stop watching it when yeah. you see it it, it, it taps into it taps our nostalgia vein yeah. <laughs> we can't get away from it yeah. but um, yeah um, it, it was quite anarchic actually if you compare it to like say Jules Holland yeah where just, everything's so controlled in Jules Holland yeah. Like I've read before that if you get a note wrong, Jules Holland, they will stop and go back to the last camera cut and make you start the song again from there. Oh, yeah. So I, I, every I have note of Jules Holland is perfect. I've yeah. heard similar stories. And, and again, this is the things I, I, I loved about it because because it was live, you knew anything could happen. And, and even though it had that half hour, we do this every week, we know what we're doing, there was a sense that something could go wrong. Mm. And they, it, it's clear that they didn't say to people, like, you're not allowed to go out, Kurt Cobain, and do a baritone or Michael yeah. Stripe, you can't bring that megaphone. They didn't police people t- too much. Um, but there's this, there, there was a sense again. I even like thinking like bands I used to like, like the Wonder Stuff, a, a tiny you know small indie band from Birmingham mm. who you know started to get a bit of momentum. And when it came out to their second album, I was thinking, God, I wonder will they get into the charts? And you'd be watching. And if you get into like if you make it in, if your st- song goes in below twenty, there's a good chance you might be on. And seeing them on it, probably you know not really wanting to be there, but. If yeah. you look back on your life now, you'll have glad did you ever do Top of the Pops. And if you didn't, mm. I, I'd say there's a, a, a hole in your sort of musical CV. You didn't. But yeah, I, I, I think there's a real sense of a lot of people didn't know what was happening. Even the presenters, again, you could have people hopping all over you or push you mm. off the little platform yeah. you're standing on. And they were often up in these little towers and the camera like zooming yeah. in on them. Like a cherry um, picker. Yeah, like <laughs> Noel Edmonds with a bit of tinsel around his neck yeah. hanging off a, a big pillar uh, trying to do his piece to camera. But um, but yeah, I like that. It was very unpredictable. Um and you, you just saw a lot of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily be exposed to. You'd, you'd, mm. you'd, just, you'd have to sit through the whole half hour to see what was number one. But along the way, you'd get a load of random stuff. And I love that when, you you know, again, you'd see, you know, they'd have metal bands on. And, and the audience, yeah. again, the, the really incongruous audience who wouldn't have a clue. Like looking at the audience faces for some of the performances worth doing it yeah. on YouTube. It's like, what is this? <laughs> you know, it's probably like the way punks viewed it at the time like in the 70s they didn't give it enough credit for how DIY it kind of was yeah because it was so yeah. ramshackle and stuff yeah it wasn't like I know the BBC is the establishment obviously yeah. but there was something about Top of the Pops that was kind of like a bit all over the gaff and that's why people yeah. liked it there's, there's a the famous story that it's become like an urban myth almost is um, Dexys Midnight Runners doing um, uh, Jackie Wilson Says which is their cover of Van Morrison uh, his great song and in the background while they're doing their song is a picture of Jockey Wilson the dart player which was the backdrop for the whole song yeah. and everyone kind of went oh my god they got that so wrong and apparently the producer Kevin Rowland was saying not that long ago he said that that producer is still really annoyed at me because I told him to put the Jockey yeah. Wilson thing <laughs> up oh my god. As, as a bit of a prank and he said like he said that guy is still going everyone thinks I screwed it up but it's all your fault and he's still annoyed about it apparently but um, but yeah things like that that you could get away with and wear what you like as well yeah. you know yeah. even seeing like you know watching people like Soft Cell you know come on after you know croony American singers and stuff mm. it was really mixed bag I'd love to know what the green room was like some weeks when you had all these yeah. random people <laughs> who, who have com- completely musically disparate um, uh, backgrounds all just having to probably get on but I'd say I, I'd say it was very low I wouldn't say you know it was like it was mo- Moet and, and Caviar and I'd say it was just like no they we, ate we, the we might, have a, we might yeah. have a cracked cup that we can give you and put some water in it <laughs> yeah. I'd say there's a bit of that I'd, mm. say it wasn't, I'd say it wasn't glam at all mm. no. Yeah. Warm can 
just if you were lucky yeah. yeah probably if you were lucky but again everybody seems to have stopped whatever they were doing in their schedule to do it because yeah. it, it gave you it was it was a bump everyone saw you and it, again you don't think of music necessarily now particularly now as a very uh, visual form because we're all listening to stuff in our headphones and listen, you know we are you, you, it's the thing you listen to uh, and the video was still quite a new phenomenon in the 80s so at that time especially if you didn't have the money to, to make a video when you were a band it's like the option mm. was you can do this show or you can just be on the radio because you have no video you've got no money so this was the way of kind of getting yourself out there if you didn't have you know, and then you could do a video. I'd say a lot of people probably did videos after being on top of the pops because they yeah. got a financial yeah. boost, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or just kind of going, I'm not do that crappy yeah, routine yeah. again. I'd rather <laughs> do my own video. But then videos are, you know, they were really expensive mm. to make. And, and, you know, until MTV came along, there was nowhere to really put them or show yeah. them, you know. When did you stop watching? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I remember still watching it in the 90s. Uh, I don't think I was watching it back in t- I think I saw the odd one kind of accidentally because then what happened was like I said that it was such a, a, a signal thing that 7 o'clock on a Thursday then they started to move the, the day and the time mm. around so I wasn't sure when it was on and it seemed to be on quite randomly and it'd be repeated and again my consumption of, of music was, was I, that was probably around, when it came towards the end of it I was reviewing and writing about music a lot but probably not a lot of the stuff that was on top of the pops that wasn't the kind of yeah, stuff yeah. I wrote about mm. so it didn't seem like something that I'd watch and again the, the, sh- the shift came about, like I say, in the 80s, you might have Soft Cell followed by Spanda Ballet followed by, you know, I don't know, Tony Christie or somebody. Uh, or horribly, which happened in, in the 1980s, Foster and Alan appearing on top of the pops dressed as <laughs> leprechauns uh, just oh. to make us look even more idiotic as Irish <laughs> yeah. people. And um, that happened. It's on YouTube. Um, but so there was a diversity and there was, a, as I said, there was a sense of all these different acts now. And for the last, I think the last maybe six, seven years or particularly, it just seemed very homogenous. It was it was very poppy. There was a lot mm. of autotune. It was a lot of the same kind of stuff. A lot of people who, t- to me, were quite indistinguishable for, from each other. So it didn't, and it wasn't, it was it was the kind of stuff I even liked. Maybe I would have watched it, yeah. but it just got, I don't think I was at that point the, the target audience. So mm. Pop got in a very bad way in the late 90s. Like the whole, the yeah. s- steps kind yeah. of that sound five the 911 sound the, yeah. number 5 yeah, yeah. yeah. like yeah. it was really until the Neptunes came along kind of and yeah. Christina Aguilera like the yeah. 30 and yeah. the Justin Timberlake album which is a great tune yeah I think the early things. 2000s was a good turnaround yeah like that's when it I loved it all though because yeah. I was a kid so mm. everything yeah. was good like yeah, yeah. Your, your default is pop when you're a kid yeah. it's like, and that's what, like I said my, my kids for a long time they were listening to what, what we were listening to and now when they're starting to hear their own stuff and their friends are all talking about music it's it's, it's all pop it's all that's De- yeah. Demi Lovato yeah. it's it all like it's like parents yeah. taste first then you yeah. go to school and people are talking about like that song it's all Bieber they're all obsessed yeah. with Bieber that's all that, his album about. is very good like, yeah. it's a really good pop yeah. music but, but he was, do, actually do you know what when yeah. we watched that chart show last week this really struck me they, they were doing a countdown and they were showing us stuff he's in about three of the bloody songs oh, on the chart oh saturation yeah. 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 how many songs is this guy it's all like fe- featuring Justin or yeah. Justin featuring somebody or, and it was mm. just like god this guy's so busy he has but a big uh, monopoly at the minute yeah but he's really good I I really enjoyed his album, his last album. Was I, I think Sorry is great. Oh, it's, yeah. it's a super track. Yeah, and the video is really fun. Yeah. But yeah um, I don't really go out anymore, but I heard... Uh, you, just I say, you just put on Sorry on repeat and you're yeah, running in the no, dark. Actually, yeah. When I, well, yeah, that yeah. as well. But I was, on, um, I was on the cruise last month and I was at a club there at night and I finally heard um, What Do You Mean? loud on a club system. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Okay. That is a banger. Oh, yeah. it is completely... When the the yeah. production on the album is like impeccable. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it was um, Sonny Moore... He or that I think that was um, 
a song that he did with Jackie U that was a Where You Now that was a different song oh sorry no, it was actually Where You Now I was thinking of that's also that's Diplo, unbelievable yeah. 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 yeah it's great yeah. it's great but yeah. again like how this is our, our listening experience as well it's like most of it is on our own you're on the bus with your iPhone on mm. or you're at home and if you happen to have a particularly good stereo you, you might get a sense of it but you don't get to hear what it's track unless you go and see yeah. someone live you don't get to hear a, a, a sense of what it really sounds like and maybe yeah. being in those studios where people are top of the pops even though it was it was all mimed it was played through a really good system and everyone was got, got to, to kind of let yeah. around and experience it which is you just don't get to do that anymore no you know. there's so many songs that you just don't get I remember like this is a bad word in my, in my go on edit out Kasabian Clubfoot <laughs> Clubfoot's a good song yeah though. when I heard it out I was like oh that's how you're supposed to hear that song yeah there's yeah. so not, much not music like that where it's like yeah, you need yeah. to hear like like a party banger playlist yeah. where yeah. you hear it on your headphones if you've got really good headphones that are really bassy it's fun mm. yeah. but then sometimes you get frustrated because you're like why am I out I'm just on the yeah. bus yeah total FOMO yeah yeah, yeah exactly Actually, one thing that's reassuring about Top Tops is that everybody's a bad dancer. Most people are bad dancers. Oh, everyone's, yeah, not, yeah. but they just, if you're having a good time, yeah. nobody, except Except Legs and Co, obviously. Except Legs and Co, yeah. Great. But yeah, but there's a lot of, lot of people that, yeah. like literally yeah. lurching around like yeah. they've got a kidney stone or something. And yeah. mostly white people, so maybe yeah. that's <laughs> Yeah, and, and again, if you, if you, this is another thing, if you look back at those audiences, I bet if you looked at the closely, there's probably not a lot of diversity in, no. in the yeah. crowd as well. It's not probably a very white audience, something that producers would be much more aware of now. Um, but yeah, I'd you say people it. audiences would be more aware now as well oh yeah mm. whereas yeah. before they'd be like well it's TV that's what happens whereas now I think because of just social movements being online and more visible people are way quicker to point out flaws in diversity yeah. and things like that yeah. which is good well I, th- I think this is it I mean I, I, people kind of talk especially online and we know what an echo chamber Twitter can be but mm-hmm. people talk about oh god they're off again or the feminists or yeah. or the LGBT people or whatever snowflakes. but it's yeah. but it's like snowflakes but you know but you do spot an imbalance you spot something is wrong for a long time it didn't occur to people to oh we don't have a woman or a panel mm. or everybody yeah. here in this room is, is white or whatever and now we're all more aware of it that it can only be a good thing that you yeah. kind of you're, I think you're, you're right, spotting yeah. this stuff and you're kind of going actually this isn't this isn't this is all a bit too it the same it doesn't take a long time to fix it it's not no. you know no it doesn't you I think once, to you, once you're told that something's a problem you yeah. kind of you sort of notice it everywhere once you have the language you're, you're, ta- you're talking to me with the two yeah. anthologies all, all female and it's yeah. like I can't I, I spot it everywhere it's like it's Waking the Feminists it's Dublin One City One Book every time mm. I see it it's yeah. like the One City One Book thing I didn't really know about and then I saw and I was like Never. Yeah. Like, I wonder yeah. how long it's going to be until they actually pick a... Well, I, there's been such controversy about it this year. I would hope that they'll probably be very nervous making their choice for the following year. And yeah. the thing is, that's a problem in itself because you don't want the the, 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 the next choice to be tokenistic or, oh, no. we feel, we, yeah, feel yeah. we have to placate the people who gave out, so therefore we must make this a woman. Give them a When, crumb, when like that's <laughs> not what the criteria should be. It should no. be great, great writing. And I had mentioned that they maybe could have picked Maeve Brennan because she's such a Dublin writer. Uh, there's been loads of re- interest in her work. There's a new collection coming out in, with uh, Stinging Fly in January that Belinda, it's of her columns, her wonderful columns uh, that written for The New Yorker. Some of the best writing about loneliness and cities I've ever read. Um, Belinda McKeown has done the introduction and her her centenary is January 6th she was born 100 years ago it's like mm. is that not a reason it's a woman a very Dublin writer and yeah. somebody who's, who's, and it's 100 years and yeah. it's just mm. that seems to have not been a good enough reason to, to pick her like if, is, is the panel for that all male or is it there's been 12 years of the prize and 11 of the people chosen to date have been men yeah so that's that that nothing you can say about that is gender balanced. Yeah, yeah. No, you know. Yeah. At all. Um, but there was a very Leah Mills was the writer this year. Uh, her novel Fallen, which was about the First World War and 1916s, was quite a timely book. She's a wonderful writer. She's got a story in the long gaze back. But uh, yeah, went back to a, a man this year. Top of the past for me was just like 
it was already dying by the time yeah. I was watching it. So I just watched MTV. I watched Top of the Top Pops too more because um, my mom and dad, I love the music that they like. So mm. I'd be really excited to see them watching it because it, they would be talking about when what they were doing when a song was out or things like My dad talks about when he saw um, David Bowie on Top of the Pops in 1972 a lot. Because he's like, that was like life changing. So it's just kind of shows the Starman you. one. Yeah. yeah he's got the gold yeah. thing on him. Yeah. Yeah. And my dad amazing. was like, that was, um, he'd never seen anything like it before. Yeah. And because Top of the Pops was there, it, like that gave him the opportunity to, to like discover David Bowie. So I talked to loads of people actually. That, that particular performance is key for loads of people. And yeah. actually, for loads of people I know who, who weren't out then, but people who were gay or people who were transgender said that, oh my God, this guy is busting open the possibilities of what it is to be a man or a performer. And exactly. is, it a, is he a boy? Is he a girl? We don't really know. Doesn't um, matter. Yeah. No, but I, I think that, that kind of stuff, that kind of, again, because it allowed people on who were, who were taking a lot of risks with their artistic vision or whatever they're doing, as Bowie always did, particularly in the 70s, um, it, it, it gave people permission. And I don't like that term necessarily, but it made a lot of people feel comforted and feel like I'm not alone. This isn't such a, a lonely thing. Um, I, I, I think around the same time, there's there's also strange people would turn up in weird roles on Top of the Pops because I remember Rod Stewart's Maggie May in the background. John Peel is there on the bongos, just like <laughs> on the first time you see it the first time, you're like, is that... John Peel in the background. What's he doing there? Um, but again, it, 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 you know, if you talk about like subcultures and, it, you know, the whole goth or punk or straight edge or whatever, when you saw acts like that on it, it made you think, well, it's not, doesn't have to be, you don't have to be mainstream. You don't exactly. have to be vanilla. You don't have to be what everybody else likes to get on a show yeah. like that. Um, and that was to their credit that they did try and put an awful lot of stuff on and mm. uh, and, and pick up on what was going on. Like they, they they showed punk in the late 70s and the early 80s. It was lots of kind of ska and reggae and stuff on. And, and again, a lot of diversity because a lot of those groups were sort of, uh, it, was, it was black and white people in groups and, you know, the selector beyond and specials and the beat and people like that. But um, so you get, you get introduced to music you wouldn't necessarily hear. Mm. It's genres and stuff that were you know, maybe big in clubs or, or were, were doing things in, out in the world and live venues and stuff. Um, but yeah, and I suppose proliferated and people pilfered in the same way like, you know, Madonna with the Vogue video and yeah, yeah. how that's famous that was. like the houses. Yeah, and, and yeah. That's, that's like her going to gay clubs and, and pilfering dance moves and, yeah. and, you know, sort of using gay culture in a, to replicate her own work as well. Mm. But I, I do remember actually speaking of Madonna one day we were in school. I think, I don't know what it was. It was like the last day of school or summer holidays or something. And they were like, they wheeled in this telly on a trolley went right. You're allowed to watch last night's Top <laughs> of the Pops. Feeling, yeah. yeah, it must have been it's a Friday. So it must have been. And they put it on. And it was the first time uh, Madonna was on doing Like a Virgin. She's wearing like a long pink wig. Yeah, I watched yeah. that. And, uh, it's so, yeah. I've never seen her that like yeah. um, unpolished before. Really yeah. unpolished. Yeah. It's like she's just re- rehearsing in, this, in, you know, in an alley down the street yeah. or something. Yeah. But it's, it's, she's really all over. The, when you look at the slick um, overproduced, very embellished performances that we become so used to seeing of her, but it's it's like they just kind of rolled her in off through and get up there and give us a song. Yeah. <laughs> but the te- because it was like a version, the teachers were like, "Oh my god, what is this?" And which is like, and, and it got turned off. They turned it off really? before we got to the end because they were like, they didn't know what the, the you know lyrical content was going yeah. to be for a room full of eleven year olds. So we so were like, "What? What is a virgin?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Pandora's box being opened. Yeah, we got yeah. Um, the. When day in school they wheeled in secondary school they wheeled in the TV and we watched Dogma the Kevin Smith movie oh god and they turned it off after about 10 minutes they're like yeah. nope this is a Christian brother school yeah, yeah. <laughs> best content yeah, for yeah. God, oh yeah. my god the, a, a place of Dogma if ever there yeah, was yeah, yeah. Yeah. let's face it um, so when you interview people now hmm. um, 
have you ever like interviewed someone that was really important to you from when you were young like in music yeah yeah uh, I Kate Bush would be a big one really yeah um, I had been asking for an interview with her for years and she just doesn't really do them mm. and she's then very it, reticent yeah, yeah she is and and this is the weird thing again you know there's all these m- myths and mythology and downright lies that you know end up c- coming out about people particularly people who don't play the PR game if they decide mm. they want a private life or they don't want to be out in the world or they don't want to be on Twitter or they just don't want to do much press and because she's so mega famous she actually doesn't have to so I'd been asking um, EMI for years. I was like, any chance, any chance? I yeah. think they were sick of me asking. And then one Friday night, the guy who worked there at the time, Pete Murphy, he's a lovely guy, rang me up and said, uh, so, uh, want to interview Kate Bush tomorrow? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, and you don't, you know, you don't, it's your job, so you don't kind of get, it's just like, yeah, it's another person, they haven't yeah. to be well known. But with her, it was just like, oh God. And it was one of those things, you know, when you're so looking forward to something, you think it's not going to happen or yeah. the world's going to burn down before like I it. actually get to talk to her. Yeah. And there was like, she's going to call your landline in your house. And it was it was like, there were like, it was three o'clock she was meant to call. And there was nothing, like quarter to four. I was like, oh no, it's not going to happen. Mm. And eventually the phone rings and she's like, hello, is that Sinead? It's Kate. Because her voice <laughs> is so, so like so, small. And, and also the, the, she was running quite late. So it was her foreign press uh, interviews and she only did two. She did one with, I, I think Nadine O'Regan did the other one. And um the, she was just, they, they didn't say, as they often do with people who are quite ho- high profile, they, you know, don't ask this, stay away from mm-hmm. that, keep out of the personal life, blah, blah, blah. Um, and there's no caveats, nothing. And obviously it'd been revealed, she had a son um, who's a teenager now. And I, when I went to see the shows in the UK a couple of years ago, he was on stage with her. But uh, he's only a child, but she, he was, he was, she had him for like for five years before anybody found out she's that secretive. Wow. And I think it was Peter Gabriel or somebody let it slip in an interview. So she, she yeah, sort of like... Yeah, would have been her. That yeah, she yeah. didn't. And so we ended up talking about her son and motherhood. And obviously Kate's mum was from, uh, from Wexford and she's talked about her, you know, she'd lived here for long periods mm. of time. She recorded lots of Central World here, which is obviously about Joyce and Ulysses. And she's really obsessed with, with Ireland and really interested in heritage. But there was nothing she wouldn't talk about. And mm. they, and we talk, I got much longer than I expected with her but she's phenomenal and, and Nick Cave as well is one of my oh, yeah. heroes and uh, I've interviewed him for telly and print and radio and a few times uh, and he's you know it's, he, and when I've met him like, he's remembered me and yeah. we've chatted and stuff and he's just people like that are, are you know he's gone through a lot of stuff in his life as well but mm. he's, he's really good interview he's like for a long time when I used to do write about music and interview bands um, you'd hope for somebody at that because if something interesting to say, I, yeah. too many times it'd be like twenty-year-old skinny jeaned bands, and you'd go and talk to them, and they wouldn't have a word between them. And you're thinking, uh, yeah. "I'm going to get a thousand words out of this," <laughs> yeah. um, because they're young and, they, and and you know they haven't been told. You know, you, you have to have a conversation with a mm. journalist, so they've got something to say about you. But a lot of them wouldn't, and you'd be getting monosyllabic answers yeah, yeah. And, and clearly not want to do it. Or so, yeah, I got quite disillusioned with talking to musicians and gravitated more towards writers who well, even yeah. even a writer on an off day will always have because they tell stories so used, yeah. they're, they're, they're raconteurs they're used mm. to talking so you'll always get a good conversation out of a writer generally Would you ever get intimidated by like someone who's like been a big influence on you or anything like that? Um, no I, I think the first time I went to interview Nick was in London and, and the door was open so I could hear another Australian guy who was asking him terrible questions so I was very very ner- I was yeah. generally very nervous but this guy's questions were awful so I was just like okay this hopefully he'll be actually I'll come be off be well here because yeah. I was just asking, like really you know obvious idiotic stuff and mm. again when you're asking people questions uh, and the questions are exemplary here today let's let <laughs> the record state that you know someone's been asked the same thing 50, 60 times so always mm. try and think of the things that, that you always try and ask someone a question 
question that they haven't been asked before. Yeah. Because um, you're going to get a great answer because it's never been asked and they're not treading the same ground. And you know yourself, if someone's on the PR tour, whether, you know, it's Beyonce or whoever it is, you'll start to see the same quotes popping up yeah. in the yeah, interviews. Yeah. So, they have um, their points they have to hit. Yeah. yeah. And you know, all you've got to do is just be professional. I, yeah, I felt nervous a couple of times, but mostly people are, are they're just people. They're just, mm. they're going about their day and this is just their job and you're doing your job. And most people are thankfully nice and polite and not horrible. <laughs> so... <laughs> But, uh, but it's great privilege to get to chat to people, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy it. Um, so that's, I think that's kind of, that's all I wanted to know about Top of the Pops. Yeah. <laughs> well, I see, the thing is, so many of the clips, not even the whole show, so many of the clips are on YouTube. So Yeah. And there's loads of really random, brilliant music um, that might even overlap with stuff that you like today or that you'd mm. forgotten about. So it's worth actually just falling down rabbit holes, sit down. Yeah. I, I actually don't think it's any excuse you're talking about your parents watching Top of the Pops too. Yeah. I think it's really deliberate that it's on like 11 or 12 o'clock and like people have had like lots of wine and they're yeah. feeling all sad and nostalgic <laughs> yeah. for their lost youth. Exactly. So they get all teared up, you know, when, um, you know, whoever comes on, New Order or Marcy or whoever it is. Yeah. But uh, I think it's quite deliberate and that's why it's on a lot of Christmas as well. People mm. are, you know, cozy and cozy, yeah. looking at all Hendrix pictures and yeah, yeah. <laughs> sitting by the fire. Yeah, um, and then Barry Manilow comes on and it just triggers. Something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, not me personally, no, but um, no. but yeah, but so have a look at lots of stuff on YouTube. There's yeah, I found it interesting things. to think of bands I like now and see if they ever did it and what yeah. they, well, how they handled it. So yeah. I like Bell and Sebastian. Oh God, it. what did they do? They didn't leave a man, but they all just came on in their street clothes and Stuart oh. Murdoch played bass and then took it off halfway through and just danced around. Yeah, and they're all kind of trying not to laugh. Yeah. And it's really not yeah. taken seriously at all, no, at all. They're yeah. like the yeah. taking the piss out they're, of it. There's yeah, like, like we're going to be on this once, so yeah. we may as well do something. Yeah, and I think a lot of people didn't take it seriously because yeah. they, you know, serious musicians who are on tours or going out to play to audience every night were kind of going, "You've got to fake it," and everybody knows it's fake. The whole yeah. everyone watching knows it's fake. The audience knows it's fake. So mm. you can't really pretend to be like you know really into it and yeah. belting it out when it's when it's it's a charade. Because then your cred would be gone. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think and I think there's it's it's interesting that you know Oriam or or Travis or Nirvana. Any of the ones who did sort of take the piss out of it were were kind of indie and maybe took themselves mm. a little bit more seriously. Whereas I think lots of the pop people were like, you know, giving Oscar-winning yeah. performances on the stage. Because yeah. I suppose pop is more about artifice. Of course it is, kind yeah. of. So it yeah. doesn't it doesn't seem as incongruous or yeah. something. Whereas if it was like Michael Stipe properly miming everybody hurts, he'd be like, "Why?" Are you yeah, this? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. like touching his heart and stuff, yeah. Yeah. not mopping his brow. Like <laughs> his yeah, be like, "Oh, it's a bit much, Michael. It's a bit mm. much. Turn it down." Yeah. Cool. I think shall we leave it there yeah so thank you to Alan Tannum and thank you to Sinead Gleeson um, The Long Days Back is brilliant and The Glass Shore is also brilliant so buy both of those and read loads of women writers and listen to the book show thank you and so much Sinead it was totally lovely to t- chat to you both and to finally meet you so thanks for having me thank you bye everybody So there we go. That was Sinead Gleeson and Top of the Pops. She was brilliant. Yeah, it's very good. It's cool, isn't it? That's Ellen. It's still here. Yeah, her eye makeup was really nice. It was actually. Yeah. I noticed that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Just take a picture. We should just mention that at the start, really. Yeah. But just think back to what you were hearing, and then imagine it with Sinead having amazing eye makeup. Really good, like brown smoky eye. It was yeah. very nice. <laughs> <laughs> um. So let's thank some people. Let's thank yeah. Dean McDonald as always for the artwork. Good job. Yeah. Let's say follow Ellen on Twitter at IncogEllen. Follow Alan at Alan underscore McGuire. I keep the underscore. There was right. Very annoyed because when I started Twitter, uh, I, I start. I started Twitter. I, yeah, you I found built it. it. <laughs> built it. Yeah. Alan McGuire's all one word was taken okay. by some egg. Oh. And then a couple of years ago, 
some business guy in Dublin suddenly had Alan McGuire. So he obviously bought it off him. No. I'm like, no, because I'm, I'm the Alan McGuire on Twitter. I'm Twitter. From Ireland. <laughs> I'm, I'm Irish Alan Twitter. Yeah. There's a Belfast music photographer called Alan McGuire as well. Oh. He's probably quite annoyed that I'm on Twitter as well. There's too many Alans. You're going to have to change your name. I like my... No, I don't like my... Do I like my name? I don't think anyone... like. Uh, yeah. It doesn't really matter unless someone's asking you a question. Yeah, I think one syllable, two syllable names are good. Yeah. Like Chad Jackson. That's a good name. I accidentally stopped um, the recording there back soon, but we're going to keep going. <laughs> so, Ellen, what, what name would you like? Um, I, I like my name. My name yeah. is four syllables, like Alan Tatum. Yeah. But it's kind of just hard to say sometimes very fast. I think it's a lot L's. of ends. A lot of ends, a lot yeah. of vowels, very little S's or O's or anything like that. Yeah. So, it's Alan McGuire. Yeah. I like McGuire. It's because it starts, Alan is a strong vowel and then McGuire is a short vowel. So, it's like a balance, yeah. you know? There's not too many famous McGuire's like either. Alan That's true. That would be a terrible <laughs> name to have. I would, not, so li- sorry, I would not like that name. No. No. What were we talking about? Oh, our Twitter accounts. Yeah. Uh, follow Juvenalia underscore pod, I think. Yeah, yeah that do. one. Do follow And it. Head Stuff and support Head Stuff's Patreon because all the money goes directly to writers. Give a euro, give two euro. And either of those. Uh, or more. <laughs> more, yeah, definitely. Whatever you can afford. We know it's pretty crap out there yeah well let's listen to some heads up podcasts as well yeah. like Alison Spill Show I'm fascinated Arno fascinated yeah fascinated has a new episode yeah I mean it is a month ago by the time this comes out yeah <clears> but, but it had it, oh, and it was good <laughs> it was one of the people from Alicia's Attic oh that's cool yeah mini juvenile nostalgia story when we went in to buy Oasis Be Here Now at 8 o'clock in the morning when it came out my little brother came in with us and bought Alicia's Attic's album at 8 o'clock in the morning oh <laughs> yeah that's yeah. cute yeah um, I want to. Oh yeah, and our sexual history with Shauna Scott and reviewables. That's all of them. Yeah. Do we have anything else? We're gonna have a Christmas episode next. It's gonna be very festive. Yeah, I'm gonna bring my sleigh bells. I'm gonna bring a tambourine. Nice. I actually have a tambourine. I actually have sleigh bells. Cool. Yes. So, so stay tuned for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's gonna be. <laughs> it's gonna be jingly. <laughs> We're gonna annoy the shit out of you. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye.